if you, if you have your Bible, and it used to be, I'd say turn to the, you know, get the Bible out of the pew rack, but there's no Bible in the pew rack. We'll finally be able to get all them back. But as I was thinking about tonight, I thought I want to work in the Gospel of John before we eat the bread and drink the juice. But I, I was thinking just over about an hour ago, uh, back over in, in the Gospel of Luke, and I thought how interesting is if you have your Bible, you might turn with me in Luke just for a moment. We're gonna, we'll get out of here quickly and get into John. But as I was thinking, I thought, you know, in Luke, in Luke chapter 2, interestingly, uh, we read about the birth of Jesus. And, of course, we celebrate that at, at Christmas time. And then uh, in Luke chapter 2, the next thing we really read about Jesus that is of significance is we skip almost from his birth till he was 12 years of age. And you remember at 12 years of age, in fact, if you're in Luke chapter 2, if you'll find your way over to verse number 42, I believe it is, Luke 2, 42, you, you find that uh, his parents, that's that story about where his parents took him uh, to Passover in Jerusalem. And when it was over, you know, they started going back to Nazareth and they, one of them thought the other one had him and the other, they left him. And they got, you know, about a day's journey back to Nazareth, and they realized Jesus was not with them, 12-year-old boy. And of course, they go back to Jerusalem, and they find him there. And then, a very interesting thing, if you're in Luke chapter number 2, we, we leave Jesus at, uh, if you look in, uh, that's in verse 42, Luke uh, chapter 2, verse 42, when Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. And then we fast forward, if you go to verse 52, Luke chapter 2, verse 52, this is really about all we know about Jesus' boyhood. The Bible doesn't tell us very much at all. In Luke 2, 52, the Bible says, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with the God and with all the people. So what we do from 12 years of age to 30 years of age, we have what is called a gap. By that I mean we don't have any information. You know, we, we can't turn to the teenage years of Jesus or how he was as a young adult. It's just not recorded in the Scripture. But now, if you go over in chapter number 3, it's very, very interesting. In chapter number 3, if you look in verse 23, the Bible says in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his public ministry. So now, from 12 to 30, no information. But now we're at 30 years of age, and Jesus begins his public ministry. And then that ministry lasted uh, three years. And uh, someone says, well, how do we know that? Well, the way we think that is right is because in the Gospel of John, where we're going to be in a moment, Jesus attends three Passovers. And we, uh, the, the, the theologians say, we feel like that because he went to three Passovers, that his public ministry was three years before he went to the cross. So that's kind of how we get there. Now, turn with me over to the Gospel of John. This is where we're going to be tonight. I love John's Gospel, the Apostle John. Interestingly, the Apostle John probably was the youngest of the 12 disciples. And we know this for a fact. He lived longer than any of the disciples, and he's the only disciple that died what you and I would call a natural death. He died a very old man. 
and he was way up in the years when the Holy Spirit inspired him to write the Gospel of John. And then, not too long after that, because he was running out of years, I mean, he's way up in his mid-90s, perhaps 96 or 7 years of age, he writes this little section called 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John that we have near the very end of the New Testament. And then, of course, he writes the book of Revelation while he's on the island of Patmos. And then after that, he had been exiled. He, he went to Ephesus, and he was the pastor of the church. In fact, the church historians say that the apostle John, <laughs> uh, he, he was pastoring there in Ephesus like he was, he was going toward a hundred not far from 100 years of age. And, and he had gotten so old as the pastor of the church that he couldn't even walk into the church. They had to carry him into the church. That's kind of what I'm praying I do myself. And uh, I look around and I want to be careful who carries me into the church. But anyway, uh, I'm patterning my life after the Apostle John. But be that as it may, as they would bring him into the church, I, I, this just touches my heart because he's, he's the apostle of love. He's known as the apostle of love. He would say to the people as they would carry him in the church, love one another, love one another. And that kind of gets us to where I want us to be tonight. What I want us to do tonight is I want us, before we eat the bread and drink of the cup, uh, I mean, we're, we're going to just look at some scripture. And I'm praying tonight that some people in this service, in this room and watching, I'm praying two things tonight. Number one, I'm praying some people will be saved tonight. Could I have an amen to that? I mean, I've come to church praying that tonight people be saved. Number two, the purpose that God's put in my heart, what I'm doing. For those of us that are saved, what we're about to look at what Jesus told the disciples, probably, if not all of us, most of us need to look at our heart, ask God's forgiveness for not obeying what Jesus told the disciples to do. Now, in Jesus' public ministry and then his private ministry, like he, in his public ministry, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it's the same. He had his baptism. He had the temptation experiences, and then he began his public ministry. That's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Now, in the Gospel of John, because John's not a chronological book like Matthew, Mark, and Luke. In the Gospel of John, listen carefully, John records his public ministry beginning at a wedding in Cana of Galilee in John chapter number 2. And he records his public ministry ending in a house, in a home, Bethany, probably the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. In fact, if you'll turn with me in the Gospel of John, I want you to look with me in John chapter 11. In John chapter 11, if you'll look down, uh, we'll look in verse 53. The Bible says, so from that time on, the Jewish leaders began to plot Jesus' death. 
Verse 54 says, as a result, Jesus stopped his public ministry. Now, your translation may read it a different way, but however it reads it, that's what it's saying. And I looked at several translations this week. It all is saying the very same thing. It's in different ways in words, but here's the deal. Jesus stopped his public ministry among the people, and he left Jerusalem. Where did he go? He went to a place near the wilderness to the village of Ephraim. Ephraim's 12 miles from Jerusalem. That's where he went. It's out in no man's land. He went in no man's land. And he stayed there with his disciples. Then you come to chapter 12. And if you look in chapter 12, well, in verse 2, it says a dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. So they had this big dinner where they were going to honor the Lord Jesus. And, of course, he had raised Lazarus from the dead. And people were coming from everywhere to see this person that had raised this man from the dead. And they were also coming to see the man that had been raised from the dead. But this is, this is quite a deal. And then, after that, after that dinner, Jesus begins his, his private ministry. Now, I want you to get this in your head tonight because it's in this private ministry I want us to focus now, his private ministry took place, first of all, in the upper room. And we have a picture of the upper room there. And in your Bible, in John chapters 13 and 14, it's all about what happened in the upper room. John chapters 13 and 14. I've been in that upper room so many times. It's a huge room. And there the Lord Jesus met with his disciples. And you can read later John chapters 13 and 14 and see all the things. You know, he, he washed the disciples' feet. And it's just a glorious, a glorious chapter of what goes on. He predicted uh, his betrayer and his betrayal. And he predicted Peter was going to deny him. And then he did something very, very interesting. He decided that he needed to prepare the disciples for his soon departure. He had been with them three years, and he knew he would very soon be leaving. In fact, it would, it would be the next day. It would be the next day. All this is happening on, on Thursday. John mentioned we call it Maundy Thursday. That word Maundy uh, is the Latin word for commandment. And uh, it's, it's called by many different names. It's called by many Maundy Thursday. By others, they call it Holy Thursday. Others call it the Last Supper. Others call it the Lord's Supper. Others call it Communion. And if you go to high church, they're going to call it Eucharist. Uh, Eucharist comes from the Greek word meaning Thanksgiving. So here at First Baptist Pasadena, we don't know what to do, so we call it the what? What do we call this service? The, th the, the Easter Thursday evening Lord's Supper service. Yeah. Now, all the rest of Christendom is either calling it Maundy Thursday, uh, Holy Thursday, uh, Communion, the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, but not First Baptist Pasadena, brother. We're going to stay like we are. I'm just praying if Jesus tarries next year, we'll put out on our big marquees and all, Maundy Thursday, and we'll all come in here acting like we know what it means. Well, here's what it means. It means commandment. It means commandment, and that's how it's translated. I'll show it to you here in the Bible. Let's look in John chapter 13. Look with me in verse 14. 
And the, I'm reading the New Living Translation. It says, dear children. Most of you are reading it. It says, little children. Very, I like that, the little children. It's the only time that Jesus ever called the disciples little children. And here it is. Little children. <clears throat> I will be with you only a little longer. And as I've told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I'm going. So now I'm giving you, watch this, a new commandment. Now, commandment, that's the Maundy word. Now, here it is. Look at it. Love each other. Now, there's nothing new about that. They knew the Old Testament scriptures, not as well as the rabbis, but they, they knew back in Leviticus that the law said that they were to love their neighbor as they loved themselves. But look what makes this commandment new. Jesus, now, who's he talking to? He's talking to 12 men, his disciples, his followers, that group that he's devoted three years. And he says, now, I'm giving you a new commandment. Now, this is not a suggestion. This is a commandment. And he says, here's what it is. Love each other. And here comes what makes it new. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Now, it's interesting. We'll come back. But turn over in chapter 15. Now, chapters 15, 16, and 17, we're still in Jesus' private ministry, but they move from the upper room and they start making their journey to the Garden of Gethsemane. In fact, if you look in chapter 14, the very last verse in chapter 14, it says, come, now they're in the upper room. Jesus said, come, let us be going. So they're leaving the upper room in chapters 15, 16, 17, and even the first verse in chapter 18, they are making their way out of the upper room on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane. And if you look in chapter 15, while they're making that journey, he repeats this commandment again. He said, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. And so I think about that. And I've been thinking about that all week. Now, Jesus, see, we know this. He knew those 12 men better than they knew themselves. Just like God knows you better than you know you. And each of those 12 disciples, they weren't saints. They were not perfect. They each had their own personalities. They had their own quirks. Quirks they were. I mean, Peter, the Bible said, would speak when he didn't know what to say. Have you ever done that? Yeah. You know, he got a little angry one day and chopped a man's ear off. I mean, he had a little temper problem there. Uh, James and John, Jesus gave them the nickname Son of Thunder. And, and you know, the, if you study the disciples, they're all uniquely different. And Jesus knew that. And, and so what he's doing, he's saying, look, I'm about to go from you, and I'm turning kingdom work over to you. I'm not going to be here now to walk along with you anymore. You're about to be on your own as far as my presence personally and I'm, I'm try, I, he, he was preparing them for what he considered to be the most important thing about kingdom work. Now, folks, hear me very carefully. Here's what it is. Christian people should love one another like Jesus 
loves Christian people. Could I have an amen to that? Call it whatever you want. Doesn't mean we have to agree on everything, but, but here's, here's the bottom line. is I think about what Jesus said to these 12 men, and I've thought, now, if I had been Jesus, and that, please, no, I'm not thinking I'm Jesus, but I'm just trying to think out, out loud in my own mind. I'm thinking, now, had I been Jesus, and I know the next day I'm going to be leaving these guys, and I'm turning kingdom work over to them, I'm not going to be with them anymore to lead them. I think I would have said something. I might would have said, I've been thinking all week what I would have said. Probably on my list, maybe I would have said, look, guys, here's what I want you to do. I want you to learn the Old Testament scriptures you have much better than you know them. I want you to be more, I want you to study and, and, and memorize all these commands of God. I want you to you know, get deep in the word that you have at that time. Or I might would have said, hey, guys, here's what you need to do. Now, this is important. You, you need to pray more. You've got a big old job out there, kingdom work. You're going to be spreading out, getting the gospel out. So what you need to do, you need to pray more. Or I might have said to them, you need to be more courageous and bold in your witness. Or I might would have said, here, guys, here's what you need to do now. I'm leaving. I want you to work harder. But he didn't say any of that. He said this, love one another. He's talking to 12 men that have been together for three years in a very unique way. And he says to these guys, I'm giving you a new commandment. Here is your marching order. Get out here. And whatever you do, you love one another like I have loved you. How had he loved them? Well, inclusively, inclusively. You know, even among Christians, we have what I call our holy huddles. Y'all seem like you don't know what I'm talking about, but you do. And, you know, if if a new person comes to church, especially if they go to a connection group, you know, Sometimes they have a hard time fitting in because the holy huddles gathered. But it's not just at church we're like that. Christian people, I mean, we like people that like us, and you like people that kind of think like you think, and you like people that, you know, kind of like the things you like. And that's just the human of us. But sometimes we, we, we exclude people that may be very different from us, very different from us. I was thinking about that this week. You know, I was thinking about one of our church members this week that has gone to be with the Lord. And uh, now she had some friends, but we, 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 we became, we, we learned more about her on our trips to the Holy Land. I think she'd gone with us three times. And in, in those journeys, you just get to know a lot about people. But, you know, I thought maybe a lot of people in our church that, that didn't know her and of course, there's a lot of people that don't know. You can't know everybody, and I understand that. But, but if you're going to love like Jesus loved, you're going to have to be inclusive, you know. I mean, like, if, if, you're, if all your friends are Republicans and here's this person that's a Democrat, you might want to kind of consider loving them too. That's probably more than I can hope for, but I mean, <laughs> or, or reverse. I mean, but we, we do this kind of thing. People, you know, people are, people are just different. But Jesus was inclusive. 
He was inclusive. Not only that, he was humble. In fact, in the scripture, he washed the disciples' feet. Not only that, he was redemptive. He was redemptive. Oh, Simon Peter, you can't do worse than this. Denied Jesus three times, denied even knowing the man. And yet, in John chapter 21, Jesus cooked fish for breakfast one morning, gave old Simon Peter a second chance. He was redemptive in life. You know, even among Christians, sometimes people, you know, maybe they, they're not fair or, or whatever, and the next thing you know, we, we, are, we are hurt, and then we, we, we need to forgive and be redemptive. And we, what do we need to do? We just need to love like Jesus loved. And you see... It, 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 this is a whole deal about a Christian community, whether it be our church, it's every church, Christian people. Uh, I, I'm just convinced of this. I believe this, that, that, uh, that many people are unsaved and never come to church to hear the gospel preached. Now hear me carefully, because all week they hear the Christian gossip. Now, you just chew on that a while. You see, our best witness is not whether we can present the four spiritual laws or the Roman road. or that. Our best Christian witness out to a world that does not know Christ is when they see us as Christian people loving other Christian people like Jesus loved. Could I have an amen to that? I want to encourage you tonight. Don't let the devil do your dirty work. You, you be careful what you say about others. Like, I just cringe when I hear people be critical of this pastor or critical of that church. Or, you know, I think, whoa, wait a minute here. They, they, better, let, they better let that, they better let God take care of that stuff. You know, that, that's the worst Christian witness you could be. Just ask God to help you love people like Jesus loved people, and what a difference it would make. It's, it's just a goal to pursue. That's what I entitled my message tonight, a goal to pursue, to love other people like, like Jesus loved the disciples. You know, over in the little book of 1 John, I'll just hit these verses, and we'll move on to the bread and, and the juice. But over here in the end, John, he's, he's even older now, the apostle of love. And he, he said some things, wrote some things in 1 John. I'll just read you the verses real quickly. In chapter 2, he said, If anyone claims I am living in the light, but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. It's like a test to know what kind of believer you are. In chapter number 3, as you turn to it in, in, down in verse 14, old John said, If we love our brothers and sisters who are believers... It proves that we've passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. In other words, they're not saved. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life in them. Then you go over in, in, in chapter 4. Uh, you look down in verse 11. It says, if we love each other, God lives in us. And his love is brought to full expression in us. Then old John said, if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, listen to what John said. He said, that person's a liar. That person's a liar. 
For if we don't love people, we can see. How can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers.